Welcome to Why the Long Face. Two old friends lifting the lid on mental health over a beer with author and psychiatrist Paul Keedwell and business consultant and so-called comedian Ollie Turnbull. Hello all and welcome to Why the Long Face, a podcast exploring mental health and we're nearly at the end of um, season four which those of you who have been listening to us will know has been about um, our good friend Ashley Pollock who has shared with us a number of audio diary clips that he has gone through with his life coach Pete and we have further analysed as it takes him through a journey uh, that he had um, end of last year uh, to the beginning of uh, this year 2022 uh, about going through a high and a low um, which could be could be um, categorised as a bipolar episode. Um, last week we dealt with the crash and as you might imagine and maybe hope uh, there's a slight morbid of optimism to this one although we did have some great learnings from the last episode. I'm joined as ever by uh, Dr Paul Keedwell. Hello Paul. Hello there. And Ash is actually physically in the same building as Paul again this week. Uh, Ash are you well? I'm good. Nice to be back again. It is lovely to be able to see you virtually. Mm. And next time, maybe all three of us will be in the same building. Um, oh, that'd be good. There are... Ah, oh, yeah. A little trip to the local yeah. afterwards. Oh, go on then. If we <laughs> get all our work done, gentlemen. Um, there are a few clips in this one, three, I think, taken um, quite um, quite close together in terms of time, uh, following a, a sort of two, three-week period of low that we discussed last time. I've called... Uh, I've called my notes a better place uh, and there's a lot of reflections and processing that Ashley goes through with the help of Pete a very skilled um, life coach so I guess gentlemen the best thing would be just to uh, to dive in and um, hear how it felt as Ashley um, came out of his low so uh, let's play the tape hi my name's Ashley for the last 12 years I've said I used to have bipolar hi my name's Peter I'm a life coach and I'm Ash's life coach so Pete, episode seven, yep. we've been on this journey using these audio notes that I happened to record that captured this sort of narrative arc of a bipolar episode. And the last episode was pretty full on, pretty intense. Pretty punchy. Pretty punchy. We went to some good depth, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a good place now, so it was good to reflect on some of those feelings but listening back as well I realize you know, I was talking about really dark thinking mm -hmm. running away disappearing standing on cliffs and interestingly um, enough sounding pretty congruent and pretty stable when talking about it yeah there was some lethargy and a distinct difference in energy but still very aware which is what we've all all four of us on this series have all noted that you were very aware as you're processing these things Yes. Yes, there is this commonality going through all of this, which I think comes back to the tools. And yeah. hopefully that's a learning for someone that's listening is by taking a proactive approach with things like meditation and breath work and journaling. It gives you a framework for when you face these challenges. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, the the last episode was kind of covering the first two weeks of the low, really. Yep. And so in this episode, I think we're going to get more into reflection. Yeah, and we're covering quite a few 
audio notes here, aren't we? Yeah. We've got five on our list to cover, which is spanning a period of like two and a half weeks. So yeah, let's dive in. Let's dive into the first one. One of the other points I was reflecting on yesterday that came up was a concern of the danger of the impact of my ideas. I think that thinking got pretty extreme because you can only be yourself. So what I hear here is an awareness of the danger of the impact, but also an acceptance that at some level you can only be yourself, or actually not at some level, at a fundamental level, you can only be yourself. Can you tell us more about what you hear yourself saying here? Yeah, there's this shift. I'm still dealing with the same things at home of having lethargy, being tired, not being able to work on things. In reflecting on the impact that I've had on others, this recording sounds very considered, but I remember at the time I felt a lot of pain about impact on other people, a lot of guilt. And I also wasn't able to communicate it, so Mm. I knew I was keeping people in the dark. I was trying not to. I reached out and left a few voice notes. Um, But it made me feel pretty crap about myself Mm. so this audio note is reflecting on that and I agree with that now I didn't intend to go out and hurt anyone and actually now I'm better I know that those people got a lot of positivity from the experience there were some challenges over paying people and it took a bit of time to tidy things up but I think in conclusion it was net positive whereas in this moment I'm feeling that I'm net negative in my impact on others. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So the the perception is um, maybe got a negative slant on it. Yeah. I think you use the term. I don't really agree with it, but coming um, approaching things from a bro- with a broken mind. I think you said in one of our last co- chats in one of our last episodes. Mm. Yeah. 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 And and it, it seems it's more negative than it is. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I I think this is the point I made last time that looking after yourself and not jumping to conclusions yeah would be a good idea although it's easy enough to say that i think when you're in a ruminating state it's very hard to really yeah. keep away from where's my place in the world what's yeah. the impact that i've had on others to my mind it's almost like if you had an absolute rigorous set of tools that you just religiously did you know breath work meditation no matter what it's just so drummed in that even in a dip you still do them it would potentially give you, it would even out the bumps potentially a bit. Do you think that is doable, all things considered? (laughs) I think it was around this time, I'm answering the question in a roundabout way, that I got a bit tired of meditating. So I was doing it religiously. Now I'm better, I'm not doing it every day, and I don't think I should be doing it every day because I think if something becomes too regimented, for me, it starts to lose its impact. Right. But you mentioned about Guns and Roses. Yeah, that's I was right. on a walk and just listening to damn meditative music all the time can drive you a little bit. Yeah, man. You can only put up with so much Enya. <laughs> so I remember going on a walk and I, I really got caught. It was one track, Sweet Child of Mine. Yeah. And there was one day I was in bed having a bad start to the day and just couldn't get up and I just got really angry with this situation and I put on Sweet Child of Mine cranked it up to full volume jumped up, jumped around the room jumped in the shower 
just got loads of energy going and I felt yeah. great. Yeah, right, right. So, yeah, I don't think it's always about mm, no. zenning into a situation. Yeah. I think you can zen into reacting and yeah. and doing the opposite as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was the next one? What's the next one? The next one is 9th of April, isn't it? And we were listening to it earlier. And we said frustration was sort of the title. Yeah, let's go into this one. I haven't got much energy at the moment, so I'm getting quite frustrated that I can't make decent progress, particularly on the business, but also Justine is sorting out the house for visitors. And I just uh, have limited capacity still. It's been three fucking weeks or something. <coughs> so I'm getting <coughs> quite tired and quite frustrated. Justine's a saint. Um, how she keeps going forward with positivity. So what I hear here is an awareness and a lot of frustration in the limited capacity and not having much energy. What do you remember looking back at this now? Listen to this. Yeah, me saying it's been three weeks. Mm, yeah, so... Yeah. I had this theory, and I don't know if it plays out this time, but, but I remember in my 20s it did generally run true, which was the length of time of my high, if you tripled it, would be the length of my low. Right. And when I was in my 20s, it was very clear. It had been like a week or two or two weeks or three weeks or a month. And then so a month would be like three months of being low or something like that. It's pretty intense. The thing that scared me a bit this time was... I didn't know what the high was. I could hear in these audio notes, which, by the way, at this kind of time, I listened back to every audio note I'd made in a year and a half, which gave me a fascinating picture of of my life. <laughs> what type of picture did it give you? That I had been on quite an adventure. Mm-hmm. There'd been a lot that had happened, a lot of exciting stuff. So where was the line between high and low, between mania and normality my version of normality and I think by this time I could see that the gardening business had been entirely logical there wasn't anything brackets crazy about it yeah and that really the the sort of extreme or the hypermania was around that time of whatever episode it was when I was making four bits of music in four days I could see that at this point but still I was like still not able to do things it's been three weeks how much longer is this going to go on i knew that it would end but i still felt pretty bleak mm. and frustrated mm. and i can hear that in this recording so yeah when you're weeks into this thing or again in my 20s months into this thing and it just never looks like it's going to end and each morning you're waking up and i started to get a routine in the morning And in the evening, I remember around this time, I figured out that to have my phone next to my bed with this particular meditation exercise Mm -hmm. on it, to have my shoes next to the bed and a shirt if I wanted to get up in the night, I started to put some frameworks in just to to have some control. Right. Uh, And don't forget, all the way through this again, my son is going to school, I'm dropping him to school, I'm still functioning. I just, it's almost like an out-of-body experience of looking at this person who... I'm sure to lots of people who didn't know me would have seen perfectly fine. Yep. But just not being myself and being yeah. still aware of that. And, and what was it that the, the control that you were seeking, as you said, with the shoes by the bed and things like that, what what benefit does that control give you in that state? 
one thing we haven't talked about, which had happened since the beginning, is this time I had a lot more anxiety than before. Mm. Uh, and so it was a way of controlling anxiety mm. by having something to just grab hold of that I knew was kind of there. Probably three weeks in, the anxiety had gone down, but still mm. uh, there was an anxiousness about, I'm a dad, I'm in my 40s, I need to be paying the mortgage. You know, these these big topics, these life topics sat continually there alongside me getting better. Mm -hmm. So the reality was even when I got better, and even if we go to today, right, we're in July, um, I've had bits and pieces of work, but I still haven't solved the work challenge. I'm on the case. I've been headhunted for a job now. I've got my CV together. I'm pretty clear on what my value is. Great, great, great. Yep. But it has taken this long. And I think at this point, I'm aware it's going to take a long time. Mm. And so even when I get brackets better, yeah, I'm still not going to have solved the key yeah. things. And so that balancing. yeah, I think maybe the, the rituals, speaking to you, um, meditating was as much about um, getting comfortable with who I was yeah. and how I'd move forward as yeah. well as yeah. mental health stuff. Yeah, great. What was the next one? Next one is pointlessness on the 11th of April. I've got it listed as pointlessness. Let's see. I'm not sure it is actually pointlessness, but let's see uh, what it is. Hopefully not if we're listening to it. <laughs> I did feel that I was a bit lifted. So I don't think this is down as much as that state I've had before about not giving a shit and also maybe it's a sort of feeling of pointlessness and I was looking for all these photographs of myself yesterday that sounds very self-absorbed doesn't it just looking at who I am and just not sort of liking who I am or what I've been or just stupid in so many ways I think I'm a nice person who's done things for people, who's looked after people, who's had a positive impact in the world on a smaller level. But so many ideas and so much energy exerted to basically have built no financial security. And just thinking realistically that moving forward from here, how much financial dependency can Justine have on me? What is, you know, being more cautious or realistic? What what can be expected of me? There's a couple of big themes that I hear there. One I know about, obviously, from our journey together anyway. But I think the new one here is an awareness of not liking yourself. So getting quite down on yourself. You even use the word stupid. That's a bit harsh, even for you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and also then this growing awareness of what is shifting to then this concern around what financial contribution have you made how much can Justine depend on you and almost like this shrinking back from the relationship yes the other thing I'm hearing is if we go back to episode one and two months before I made any of these decisions the way I'm talking here is quite similar oh yeah in what way well, I'm talking about place in the world, decision-making, yep. achieving financial security. Yep. So I'm talking about these bigger life themes now. As I said in the last clip, which was kind of three days earlier, each day I'm still having good days, bad days. I'm still not able to function as I would be. But the way I'm talking here 
is I'm stepping up a level above that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this stuff will sort itself out, but I've still got these bigger things I need to address. Right, right. So this doesn't sound like um, depressive analysis. This sounds like I'm a 42-year-old man and the startup hasn't worked. It wasn't illogical. Well, I say the startup hasn't worked. You know, we were, uh, when I came out of this, we were selling stuff. It was ticking over. Yeah. But the, the vision I had of this scaling startup. Yeah, yeah, right. Again, that's funny now because having got better and having figured out, right, I need to find a way of getting paid well for what I do. We've made a few tweaks with the gardening business from a business to consumer model to a B2B model and we're making some really good progress mm. actually working much less intensively mm. almost taking it easier has opened up ah that's the route yeah, <laughs> yeah being slow. And when, I, when I look at it today there's loads of paths that have opened up yeah that's right it was probably a couple of weeks after this even though I'm still struggling each day that I started reaching out to my network here in Ibiza about work opportunities and I spoke to someone who has a big company back in Germany and he said, happy to help. Have you got a CV? Because we've got an HR department. I hadn't done a CV for 20 years. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll get that to you next week. So I've still got this kind of, even though I'm not able to fully function, I'm prepared to kind of put deadlines in and start to strive towards things. And so those first few steps are, are, happening, yeah. are happening here. One of the things that I picked up on here is there's a lot of open-ended questions, you know, like, and one of the interesting things I've noticed in our relationship is, and this is partly also my learning as a coach, because, you know, I think a good coach is always learning, right? Like, and I definitely try to learn. And you have a lot of open-ended questions in a lot of your thinking, you know, and it's it has been easy for me to go like, oh, there's a there's a negative slant on that one. Whereas you're, what I understand now is you're not necessarily seen it that way. Is that right? Again, I don't think this is this is mental health discussion. I think this is uh, points I've been reflecting on for the last few years. Right. Yeah. Going yeah. right back to yeah. a couple of years before COVID. Yeah. It's reality. Justine has done a, a corporate career, gone up the ladder, had a secure income that's increased, whereas I've had the passionate, driven, creative career that I've made work and I've made a living, but I've, um, I haven't grown my income, mm. despite my best intentions. Yet. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, the, that's what's happening now. That's what's really exciting now. This experience has catapulted me yeah. off the back of it into right. a place where I completely get that. Right. So there right. are these open-ended questions. Now, I didn't record these audio notes to do this podcast. These audio notes were for me yeah. to listen back to. Totally. So I'm throwing these questions at a wall to yeah. give myself time to think about them or just to to say them, Right. to get them out Yeah. Right. rather than just keeping them trapped in my head. And I yeah. think that Which was really great. good in this ruminating phase just to get stuff out. Totally not to just spin round totally, and round and totally. round. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. And that's the interesting thing, right? Like, it, you didn't know that your life coach is going to be listening to these, like, audio notes, <laughs> the earlier ones at least, right? These ones, yeah. I guess, yeah? Yeah. But, yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing, right? But we do, we have to have an avenue for getting this stuff out. You know, yeah. it's when it goes round and around that's the issue. 
Okay, fantastic. So lots to go through again. Great questions and interventions from Pete. Um, loved the Enya gag um versus sweet child of mine uh that absolutely made me chuckle out loud <laughs> uh i'm afraid doctor this enya is actually uh causing me more angst uh than actually did when i started um so i think there were about um uh three three clips there um first thing, so we just well, lost I've a lost... load of enya fans oh god have we okay i can live with that um <laughs> Everything in moderation. That's right. Yeah, to that's honest, right. I mean, Orinoco flows a classic, gentlemen. That's um, true. But that's yeah. true. Yeah. So uh, diving into the uh, diving into the audios, uh, it was it was nice to see that it wasn't a sort of a, 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 a really sort of violent bounce back, but a sort of gentle um, understanding of what had happened and a floating back to normality. Um, how did it seem from a clinician's perspective, Paul? Yeah, I mean, it certainly felt a grad like a gradual process. Uh, I was struck. I've, I've put down a comment here about the difference between being sort of disappointed in yourself about some of the things hadn't worked out, some of your projects hadn't worked out, and not liking yourself. Because there was a mention, wasn't there, of, uh, when you said, Ash, that actually you looked at, you looked at yourself and didn't like yourself. Yeah. And you know, that's was that was that in retrospect or was that, that that was what you were feeling, wasn't it, in the first recording, I think. So that to um, me is sort of an in, depressive indicator. Yeah, I mean I'd um I can look at that now and still engage with that feeling. Hmm. So I think there's an aspect of myself that I can still Feel that I have been um, uh, that some of the feelings I had in my low are still there so it's not that they were unwarranted because right. I have pursued a career that's been driven by passion rather than thinking about how uh, to monetize you know, yeah um, I've been selfish I've been a creative I've been but now I can say that as negatives but also acknowledge but yes, that's why I've also done all these other things. Whereas in this low, um, yeah, it's very much focused on all bad, all criticism, all self-criticism, all self-critique without understanding that we all have <laughs> sides to our personalities that are annoying or Absolutely. Or and that's the key. You lose balance and perspective right at the bottom of it. And yeah. then as you're coming out of it, there's that recognition that actually you know i'm quite a good person really you know i've i've added to the some total of kind of human experience and you know not harmed anyone along the in the, in the process and you know that you're raising a child uh and you're doing that successfully uh you know you're achieving all the sort of important stuff in a way you know you're a net positive to the earth, to the to the universe. Maybe um, there was there was a, I noticed something that is, and it may be a symptom of um, Ash you coming out of your low mood. Is that you suddenly felt guilty about the impact that you've had on other people, which although can't have been very pleasant, might be. And I'd love to hear what Paul says thinks about this. Might be a sign of recovery because it's like, ah, oh, right now I'm sort of assessing what has happened and the impact it 
has had on people and I'm not happy about that. I'm not happy about myself. But is that, um, although not a pleasant one, um, a sign that maybe things are taking a turn for the positive, Paul? Well, that's a tricky one because guilt is one of the symptoms of depression. And I think the question is, how guilty do you feel? And if the guilt is sort of in an understandable kind of reappraisal, so, oh, oh gosh, I'll put people through that. Um, I think I think it might be applicable to the high, you know, um, because Justine is reflecting on it as well, isn't she? She's processing it as well and going, oh, well, you much more difficult to handle during the high, but easier to manage during the low. I, I think um, it's re-grasping a sense of empathy. Because yeah, I can okay. see now and I could see at that point that my decisions were just me going a million miles an hour and everyone keeping up with me or not. Um, and now an empathetic un- understanding of impact, which in a lower place is hard to handle because you feel like you're an awful person. Mm. I felt like I was an awful person for this impact. Mm. It, it, it reminds me that of a story in my 20s. There was a job where I was on a bit of a high and I think I would have been a bit hard to handle. And mm. um, for years, I thought, felt guilty towards this one particular person. And years later, I met them. And I and I apologise. I said, I'm dreadfully sorry for how I was. And she was like, "What are you?" She couldn't re- couldn't remember. Had no impact yeah. on her life whatsoever. Yeah. I was like, "Well, look, it's years later." She's like, "I don't even know what you're talking about." Even back then, so it was huge to me the impact I'd had on her. Such a she relief. Was probably like, you know, just a couple of days of someone being a bit of a dick and get on with their yeah. life. But it, it had stuck with me for years. Yeah. So I think the guilt thing is it, be, it can, can become pathological at the at the at the real bottom. Um, you know, when you're really depressed, and as you say, you it's it's hard even to go there. Uh, you, I think you still have the compassion. I think there is some empathy in there, and I think there's a lot of humility, uh, but there's a disproportionate amount of self-criticism and self, even self-loathing, isn't there? That goes along with all yeah. that, and it's as you're coming out of everything, as you say, the guilty feelings are still there. Um, but it's easier to process them. Um, well, and also easier to communicate them. Yeah. Because when, yeah. did I mention it in this episode, or I didn't mention it to you guys, but there were things that went round and round my head for days that when I was better were solvable within minutes or hours. One phone call solved them. Mm. But at this point, the inability to communicate and express what's going on in my head that's where the real pain is because you can't get rid of the feeling. That's why it sticks in your head. It can't, you can't get it out. Um, it's almost as if the, the, the sleepy bits of your depression were just exhaustion because, you know, they, they, they call us in the Yoruba tribe in Africa, the illness of thoughts, you know, you just can't escape these ruminations to the point where you can't actually solve anything. Um, Mm. and it's exhausting so it's it's crazy it's it is crazy in that way depression because <laughs> yes. you know you're putting in extreme a lot a lot of mental work to no <laughs> useful outcome yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you come out of it and you as you say it's sort of oh okay wow well that that stuff i was ruminating on for week, days on end possibly i could oh i can just do this <laughs> Yeah. yeah there was an interesting point in the second audio as well uh, which i called frustration and it said uh, anger had come through uh and uh you you were like angry and then you then you thought oh well at least i've got some energy now <laughs> 
so it was like uh, at least um, I've got the energy to be angry now which is slightly better place to be than being so lethargic that you couldn't even solve the most basic problem without ruminating about it yes yes <laughs> there was another thing that came out in the frustration uh, section as I called it the second audio you're talking about Justine being a saint um, and um, you know uh, 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 Showing anxiety signs, as far as I can see, you were you were, you were talking about out of body uh, um, feeling, which I think is depersonalization, derealization sort of symptoms, I guess. Uh, but the other thing is, and it's, we we brought it up um, last week as well, which was the line between normal and not. Um, so uh, last week we were talking about yes, you get angry. Uh, everyone gets angry, so that's perfectly normal. Uh, sometimes you work in the evening. Well, everybody wants to work in the evening sometimes, so that's perfectly normal. And it's uh, something you seem to be struggling with maybe a little bit in terms of, um, oh, shit, do I feel super energetic now because I'm going to go have a high? Or do I feel super low now because I'm going to have another low? Or am I simply tired slash full of beans, you know? Um, was, that a, was that a struggle that you remember? I think in a way this last episode is more complex because I'm taking such an active role in figuring it out as I go along through these audio journals. Yeah. So I'm yeah. feeling quite a range of stuff and I'm, I'm exploring it and digging in and that's quite exhausting as well. But I think that's why, you, you know, this was much darker than any of my other lows, but much shorter. And so uh -huh. I think there is some... I hope some positivity in that for other people that I squared up to it, looked it in the face and dove into it rather than retreating from it. And that got me through it quicker. So Interesting. Even though it felt harder. <laughs> um, Can I ask, did you, well, I think that probably answers my question. I was going to ask you in the very depths of your depression, did you still have hope for recovery? Um, did you yes, feel you were going to come out of it yeah I think this probably was the closest I came to um, well I talked about it didn't I in this episode about standing on the cliffs yeah um, wherever it's in uh, so if I'm repeating myself I'm, I'm pretty sure it is in this but anyway okay that I was going on these walks I was doing these recordings and I wanted it to end so this idea of wanting it, wanting the world to keep on going, but you to end within it, even though that doesn't mean killing yourself, but this this notion of just being able to stop, just end yourself in a way. And I've, I looked that right in the face by standing on top of these cliffs. And because I rock climb, and there's this feeling I really love with rock climbing, is which is when you're holding onto the rocks and you've literally got your life in your hands. And the idea that you could let go and you'd hurt yourself very badly, but you're not going to because you're in control. And it was that feeling that I embraced of just standing there thinking, I, I have an ability to step forward, which I don't want to do because of all the amazing things in my life. And that feeling of power really pushed me forward. Yeah, because you're to me to be the least enjoyable part of rock climbing. Frankly, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm not a fan either. <laughs> but um, um, it, it, that is depression in a nutshell, isn't it? You feel powerless, so it's you fighting to regain that a bit of power, there, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've to prove to yourself lows, you've still got a bit of control. Yeah, hmm. I remember in my lows in my twenties, I remember visualizing suicide, 
Um, I remember one bit of my mum almost like see like an out of body seeing myself kind of experience. But this time actually standing in that point and embrace and really feeling the power of it. That's the closest I've got to that feeling. But it was it was a very enlivening feeling. Yeah, it sounds kind of let's yeah. It sounds remarkably well, positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the thing is, right, there's some cliffs, you know, just just looking at that line of, yeah, I mean, uh, that sort of, <laughs> in the last episode, I said I was getting tingles from thinking about these kind of waking nightmares. That's giving me tingles of power. Mm. It's like, it's almost like a big F you to depression. Mm. <laughs> it's like, fuck you, I'm in control of this. And I feel powerful because I'm able, on the most basic of levels, I mean, you use the analogy, Ollie, of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. This is just really figuring out the foundations, really setting them solid and then moving forward from them. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel, yeah. I feel, yeah, I feel powerful having relived that even. Um, and again, very, very challenging and very um, easier not to think about that, Easy, easier to retreat from those feelings yeah god it's a springboard isn't it so i've proved to myself that i've got those basic survival instincts so i can go on from here and rebuild my life and my aspirations and my higher goals in of self-actualization yeah not even use the word springboard not even rebuild i've i feel like uh, I'm, uh, we're on an audio format so i'm trying to think how to say this if mm. i was operating in terms of self-awareness and in, in my place in the world at 50%, and then I went into depression down to zero. Now I'm at six, like I've come out of this higher than I was. I've, I've, I've taken yeah. another step forward in understanding myself. Yeah. Um, so it's, but that was the turning point. That was possibly a turning point. Yeah. Sounds a bit like yeah. it. Yeah. It also no, sounds like uh, something you can, you've got in your locker to, call, to draw back on as well, mm. uh, to give you strength. Um, you know that feeling of power uh, fuck you depression I'm in charge um, you know you can see you can see the energy building in you uh, yeah. uh, or, or at least you, I can you're tempted well, to use that yeah. cliche aren't you that what doesn't break you makes you stronger yeah. yes yeah as I say that out loud and again this is adding value to these episodes because it's something I hadn't considered when I talked to Pete um, I think there is an opportunity, but also a challenge of me bringing Justine along on that journey as well. Hmm. Because in such a relatively small period of time, you know, where are we now? We're July and this sort of started in February. I feel like I've, I've leapt to a destination I couldn't have imagined. At the same time, my partner has been through an incredibly challenging time and is, I think, in a way recovering from that like a kind of post-traumatic stress yeah and my feeling in this really positive way i think is actually causing some challenges now again mm. and i think yeah. that's maybe one of the thing for for carers of people who have bipolar or depression is 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 trying to synchronize that up i think well this monitoring it's sorry the post-traumatic stress thing this one of the symptoms is vigilance isn't it it's sort of a heightened vigilance for the thing that the trigger for your trauma so this sort of a monitoring that you were saying in a way i mean you weren't saying it was irritating you were just saying you felt uncomfortable about it uh, because you've you know that it's not a symptom of you having an episode it's just normal ash having a reaction to life events uh, but you can kind of understand how justine's just a little bit 
um, hypervigilant for any sign you might be coming ill again. And I guess it's going to take some weeks and months for her to come out of that and feel more reassured because you're going forward with stability, you know, um, and achieving well, things. And, and also the transformation. Mm. Right. If if we, I mean, tr- previously I'd have thought, oh God, I have an episode and this is just wasting my time and it's, I feel awful and then, oh, I'm out of it. Okay, I can carry on. My experience now is like I've been on some retreat. <laughs> I've sort of disappeared onto this retreat of my own brain and come out of it this, this sort mm. of transformed person. That mm. must be quite weird for my partner. Yeah. Who's like, Jesus Christ, he was here. That was really hard work. Then he was unable to do anything. And now he's... So she's dealing with three different states of ash. Whereas for me, I'm, I've sort of come through something to a, mm. to a sort of... Yeah. Um, it's a very good point. I've never really thought about this before. I mean, obviously I've thought about the people who are close to their suffering. But I've never really thought about it in post-traumatic uh, uh, terms. But of course... Unlike a physical illness where you're given the all clear or the cast comes off your broken leg, uh, you don't you, you don't you don't think, oh, my God, what would happen if he broke his leg again? Oh, my God, he's walking. He might fall over and break his leg. You just don't have those fears. <laughs> Whereas if something as complex and potentially debilitating and frightening as, as what you went through, you, you would have those signals and it or you would look out for those signals. And it makes me uh, realize that actually for the people closest to you, i.e. your partner in this case, um, their wife i should say um uh, they, they need some attention as well and maybe not even just from you you know um, Absolutely. but i've never really thought about it that way and i guess paul you you, you come across this all the time where the mm. where the people left behind even when the person has bounced out of an episode like ashley has with some learnings he almost almost as if he he's glad he had the episode mm. for the people left behind having gone through that with someone they love it's a bit frightening isn't it to hope to think it that is it again because they don't fully understand it it is. And, you know, you always try to check that the carers are OK, that they are seeking help if they need to. And it should be independent help, of course, you know. Uh, and there are charities out there. There's SANE, which is an organisation where carers of people with mental health problems can share their stories. So, yeah. But it's it's a, okay. it's an interesting one for Justine to adjust to in the third ash, isn't it? That that's really interesting. So, it's the ash compared the third to ash. The third ash. I love that. It's a great post, title. So not manic ash, not depressive ash, or not pre pre mania ash either. It's <laughs> ash with his new insights. Um, mm. Who's I reckon a little bit stronger, uh, a little bit carrying away a little bit more self knowledge. Um, bit more able to put things in perspective, perhaps. But yeah, so uh, we'll te- we'll tease out all these different themes, I guess, in the next few episodes. I think so. I think the next one is, is sort of conclusions, and it's a very upbeat. And we get a chance to listen to some of Ash's art, uh, which was created <laughs> when he was in his time. Which I see uh, uh, even more impressive than I thought it would be. I said, "Who did the vocal on that one?" And uh, you know, Ash just replied, "Sing guilty." It's like, my God, the boy can it's sing as well. Just absolute noise and wailing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's primordial screaming of the. Of the most entertaining kind. No, we'll, we'll wait and see next week. No, it's rather good. Ash, uh, yeah, you might be regretting now letting us into your mind, but I'm very glad you did. It was a lovely, upbeat episode. Really interesting one as well. I'm particularly um, thinking now about the people affected by 
um, but by people who go through these things. But next week, uh, conclusions, thoughts, processing, and um, and uh, a performance, in fact, of uh, some of the creative work that Ash did during this period. In the meantime, gentlemen, thank you. Uh, go and have your pint. I'm sure it'll be delicious. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Bye for now. Bye for now. <laughs>